lifelong Mavericks fan Adam Rosenfield joins the show today to discuss everything Dallas Mavericks from the front office turmoil to the offseason plans. Hello there. And welcome to another episode of Metroplex Mania. As always, I'm your host, Shanavaz Makani. Metroplex Mania is brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. I am joined today by childhood friend and lifelong Dallas sports fan, Adam Rosenfield. Adam, how you doing, man? I'm great, Sean. How are you? Uh, good. So, you know, with everything going on right now, it's as well as I can be, I guess. Um, so we'll, we'll jump right into it. Um, you know, we obviously, we've been texting back and forth. We've been tweeting a lot about everything been, that's been going on since the Mavericks lost to the Clippers in the first round. Um, and we'll get into the the series overall and, and kind of off-season plans where we both see things going because I know we have kind of differing views on things. Um, but before we even jump into that, the first thing I want to talk about is the the bombshell article that dropped uh, on The Athletic yesterday, Tim Cato and Sam Amick, who are, I would say, <laughs> reputable NBA reporters. Um, I'd say I'd say Tim's one of the more well-sourced Mavs reporters. Yeah, and and you know I you know Tim right? I mean you guys are both UNT guys, uh, you know, and and uh, you know for those listening who don't know, uh, Tim Cato and, and Sam Amick dropped an article yesterday about the turmoil in the Mavs front office, specifically uh, between Bob Volgaris, who early on in the late '90s, early 2000s, was this kind of gambling savant. Uh, he made a million dollars on the Portland and L.A. Game 7, um, I believe in 99 it was. Uh, uh, two, when the, no, was it two, no, 2000. Was it 2000? Okay, yeah. He made like a million dollars on that. Um, the guy's like an analytical wizard. Him and uh, Bill Simmons, who you know I love, um, are really, really good friends. Uh, Simmons had him on his podcast quite a bit. Uh, you know, the guy's kind of a prick. If you look at some of the quotes, uh, you know, that he's put out, uh, you know, he's he called Monty Williams a terrible coach. Uh, you know, this is back when he was in New Orleans. Uh, he's come out and said that he could probably run an NBA team better than anybody. Um, you know, his analytical models, I mean, they've, they've obviously worked when he was gambling and, and Cuban, you know, we all, we all know how Mark Cuban loves, uh, uh, you know, the, the analytical guys and, uh, you know, brought him on uh, to the Mavs. Um, I don't know his exact position, but I think he's like director of like quantitative research or something like that. Uh, brought him in a couple years ago, and so this article basically talks about number one how Luka Doncic just absolutely hates him, um, you know, and it references uh, a couple uh, games earlier this year, one where uh, Luka was coming up the court, missed a couple free throws, uh, and and was walking up the court, and Vulgaris yelled at him, and Luka. Uh, basically cussed him out uh, on the court saying, don't effing talk to me. Um, and another game well, where the Mavs were down 10 in New York um, and actually brought that game pretty close. I think there were a few more possessions left in the game, but there was like a minute left or something and Vulgaris walked off um, and Luca went back to the huddle and said, see that guy, he likes to quit on us. Um, so obviously, uh, you know, when you're alienating your star player, it's not a good thing. I I think even more too, it's, you know, the article was talking about, I'm looking at this paragraph. It was like those within the front office were confused about who actually had power. I'm like referring to, you know, 
what moves did Haralabob, as the ticket calls him, do? And what moves did Donnie Nelson do? So, because apparently, what, I mean, it looks like it was KP, Tim Hardaway, Josh Richardson, and J.J. Redick, you know, were Donnie's moves. But, like, what, apparently, I guess Haralabob's were Jalen Brunson. Is that, I, I think I, I think I saw that somewhere. So, like, yeah. how much influence does this guy have? And who, like, we know Tim's well sourced. We know Sam's well sourced. But like, I feel like, you know, this is definitely a Donny. Uh, this this seems like a very pro Donny article, if you know what I mean. And that that's what I was gonna get to, right? Is you look at it, you know, when you when you read something like this. There, okay, first off, there's always front office turmoil, especially when you have a superstar and you lose in the first round, right? I mean, if. You know, if, if LeBron and AD weren't healthy and this happened in, in L.A., I mean, L.A. Times and everybody who writes for them would be blowing up right now, right? I mean, we'd, we'd hear all kinds of stuff about Rob Palinka and, and the ineptitude of their front office and their role players and whatever. Um, you know, but this is, you know, anytime something like this happened, you're, you're going to have issues. The way that I looked at this piece when I read it is it, it seemed like, you know, there's somebody in in one of one person's corner or the other. Is it Carlisle's corner? Is it Donnie's corner? Is it, you know, who? You know, somebody is leaking these stories to Tim Cato and and obviously trying to to cover their ass essentially, right? And yeah, for everything that's been said about the Mavs front office, it always comes back to Donnie Nelson, right? I, I think that's ultimately who Mavs fans are upset about. They've wanted Donnie Nelson gone for a while. He's got Cuban's trust. He's got you know, because he found Dirk and he found Luca, so he's bought himself, you know, ten years, uh, you know, a, a ten-year extension every time he finds one of these guys, um, and, and so it, it kind of seems like it's it's Donnie coming out or somebody in Donnie's corner coming out saying, "Hey, look, this guy's angling for my job. We need to, you know, let let's put it out there that Luca doesn't like him, and, and et cetera, et cetera." I, I think you know, I think it's definitely Donnie's corner, but I think it it starts from the top. Um, you know, I sent you that SB Nation article, uh, or the Mavs Moneyball article, and it said, you know, the, the, the biggest problem is there's too much of Mark Cuban. And, you know, Cuban has obviously, either he's just rested on his laurels, or it's like, you know, I won a title. And, you know, my, my issue is, is the fact that Dirk covered up a lot of issues with this organization. Um, you know, you have the uh, you have the Harala Bob stuff coming out. A couple years ago, it was the sexual assault. It was the or the uh, yeah sexual misconduct. Um, you had Cuban like pissing off Kobe Bryant, Kenyon Martin, Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, I, I I think you you have a problem here where it's you have a guy who he won a title and. He, he hasn't done a good job of, you know, putting this organization um, where we can take advantage of what's going on in the modern NBA. I mean, Luca's going to sign that Supermax. What 22-year-old is not going to turn down a $45 million deal? Which but, I think, not to cut you off, I, I think is the, is the important thing that Mavs fans are forgetting, right? Like, I, I got, you know, we, we have a... Uh, I wouldn't say mutual friend, but there's a friend of mine who you and I have talked about who consistently throughout the season, every time something went wrong with the Mavs was, you know, okay, let's blow it up. Okay. Luca's leaving. He's not going to, yeah. I mean, 
Luca's going to sign. Like it, it's it's been reported. He said he's he's signing. Tim Cato even said that he's signing. If if ever if you want to take Tim's final word on it, right? Tim also has come out and said that Luca's signing that extension. So th- there's still another six years of Luka Doncic on this team. There's six. Is there six or is there? Because I I heard it was going to be this year, and then he was going to sign that four year, three year plus that one year player option. So we'd have to look into it. I, I know he's got next year, right, on the last year of his rookie deal. And then I think the five-year Supermax comes in, but with the player option at the end of it. I think he's going to angle for that player option. 100%. He's, he has all the leverage. Right, which he I should. Mean, absolutely. I mean, I if, if I am the franchise essentially savior, like, heck, I mean, it's exactly what LeBron did in Cleveland. You know, every year it was like a one-year deal with the player option. And you know he he just he just opted in, and the Mavs the Mavs have zero leverage whatsoever. Um, but you know I, I think I think that's the thing is once he signs that clock is ticking, and you better figure out your organization quick. And if I mean here, here's what I'm looking at I'm looking at an organization that hasn't won a playoff series in ten years. I'm looking at Phoenix, who's in the conference finals after not making the playoffs for ten years. They have a coach that everybody loves in Monty Williams. They got James Jones, who, you know, was uh, LeBron's favorite teammate. You know, the, the Phoenix Suns are set up for the modern NBA. And I'm looking at the Mavs and I'm saying, what what have, you know, this story came out and I'm looking at what what are we doing to set ourselves up for success, you know, in terms of player relationships, in terms of things like that. And I'm not seeing it. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, going back to your Phoenix point, I mean, Robert Sarver's an owner that has been highly criticized, yeah. um, you know, since he bought the team, you know, so it's not like Phoenix is this world-class organization that has consistent. I mean, they haven't been good in, in a decade, over a decade, right? I mean, they, you know, since the Nash and, and Amari Sodom, you know, that run and gun team, the seven seconds or less with Mike D'Antoni, um, you know they were phenomenal then, but still couldn't make an NBA title. And and there's a very good chance that they that they come out of the West. Um, you know because I think they match up well with both the Clippers and uh, Utah. So you're absolutely right. I mean this is Luca's got all the leverage, right? So getting the player option is is without a doubt gonna gonna be in the negotiations with with his agent. I think Bill Duffy. Um, but going back to the the story that that came out, Adam, you know, it's funny because if you if you go onto like Mavs Reddit and you look at Twitter and, and everything, and there's so many different accounts of of what's going on and what's true and what's not true, right? Um, you know, uh, Ben and Skin uh, on their podcast earlier, I actually listened to it as it was a short like 20, 30 minute uh, episode that they did. But you know, Jeff Skin Wade has very very close ties to the organization, right? He's obviously on the local broadcast with with Derek Harper and Mark Falwell. Um, you know, Jeff Skin came out and said that this is all just, you know, it's nothing, right? That it, it's all, you know, somebody coming out and, and like we said earlier, that somebody's in Donnie's corner. Somebody's somebody is trying to protect somebody else. It doesn't, you know, who knows what exactly is going on, but it's definitely not as big of a deal as as people are making it out to be, right? And you've got folks at ESPN. If you watch the jump. Um, the other day, I believe it was yesterday when this story story first leaked, people like Matt Barnes are saying Luke is going to be a Maverick for life. Um, you know, people are coming out, you know, throwing their support behind Mark Cuban. Cuban even came out 
you know, take his word for what you will, but came out and said, this is all BS and has repeatedly come out and, and said that, you know, the story is fabricated and there's nothing to it. it. You know, when, when there's a situation where there's multiple sources like this, it's kind of hard to believe that some of it isn't true. Right. Um, you know, Tim Cato later came on, uh, the locked on Ma- uh, locked on Mavs podcast, uh, and actually basically just said kind of what, what, you know, everyone has been saying that there's a general fear that every star who isn't happy, doesn't matter if it's Luca, if it's LeBron, if it's Anthony Davis, every star who's not happy and isn't winning is, is it always puts fear in the front office that that player is going to leave and rightfully so, right? Because now there's no loyalty in sports. This isn't a Michael Jordan era or a Kobe or Dirk Nowitzki, right? Players, player empowerment and player movement is at the height of what it, it of what it is. And players want to move in and go play to win championships, right? Um, you know, Cato mentioned that he might grow unhappy. Not that Luca's unhappy right now. He is going to sign the Supermax. You know, the funny thing is, is that everyone has always talked about the Luca and KP relationship. On this podcast, Cato said that he, he actually refuted that there's any animosity between the two. Uh, you know, between Luca and, and Porzingis. So it's kind of like, I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what side I'm on. I, you know, is it fire Donnie? Is it fire Bob Volgaris? I mean, at the end of the day, it's you do what you do or you do what you can to keep Luca happy, right? Whatever Luca wants, that's what you do. You know, I, I think, uh, I think on the ticket, was it yesterday? Uh, I think it was the hang zone. They were saying this organization, what they don't do well is, uh, they don't do well making uncomfortable change. And I feel like we have had, we had 20 years or 21 years of Dirk and, you know, we, we were able to come I mean, we got a finals berth, we got a title, 67 wins, and then you luck into Luca. Um, I mean, obviously you scout well, you know, um, but, you know, I think we've reached an inflection point where it's, uh, you know, you have to make some sort of change. You know, we once he signs that Supermax, the clock is ticking. And if it's KP that's got to go, it's KP. If it's Rick that's got to go, it's Rick. If it's Donnie that's got to go. Because I can draft as many people as possible. I mean, look, look at look at the Thunder. The Thunder drafted in successive drafts Durant, Westbrook, Harden, Ibaka. And, you know, so you can draft all this talent, but – if you can't coach them up or if you can't add complimentary pieces around it, well, that's on you. Or if that talent doesn't me- mesh, like th- that's on you. And so, you know, I-, I think that's where the Mavericks are. It's you had a, you had a guy in Luca who his second year ascended to a generational superstar and you have to acquiesce to that um, because that is what the NBA is right now. Yeah, and, and that brings us to, to kind of our, you know, going into, you know, what the Mavericks should do in the offseason, um, you know, to build around Luka. And, and you're right. The second he puts, you know, pen to that paper and signs at a Supermax, that's it, right? The, like you, I, I think, in fact, the clock is ticking now. The clock is ticking the minute the buzzer ended on Game 7 against the Clippers, yeah. right? The Mavs front office is under such scrutiny, and rightfully so, because you look back at, at all the moves that have been made over the last decade, you know, the miss on Darren Williams, the miss on Dwight Howard, you know, the whole Chris Paul, you know, were, were him and Dwight going to team up? And was it really just because Dwight, you know, decided to go back to Orlando for one year that we didn't get them both? Um, you know, Cuban not showing up to Darren Williams's meeting 
okay. uh, which is what led Darren Williams to go to, to Brooklyn in the first place from Utah, even though he's a local kid. Um, but it's, it's that respect though. I mean, it's oh, like absolutely. I, I alluded to in the, uh, the SB nation article, you know, Cuban had Cuban had called like Kenyon Martin, for example, a thug back in 2014 or no, no, it was 2009 after mm-hmm. the nuggets had, had it, it was after, yeah, it was after the gentleman sweep. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, like it's, it's things like that, that Dirk masked everything mm-hmm. and you've got these issues that go up. Like wh- what about blowing up our championship team thinking that we could, you know, sign Darren Williams. Yeah. I mean, as you said, Darren Williams then Dwight Howard, then Chris Paul, then Deandre Jordan, um, the whole Chandler you know, Parsons fiasco. I mean, yeah, you, you have all, you've got all the, those issues and you know where you you are at a point now where yeah if you if you make these same mistakes in the next couple of years yeah if I'm Luca I'm gone like yeah and 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 here's the thing right I mean we we've got five six years of Luca right and and the team has to do a better job the front office and Cuban have to do a better job of building talent around him the problem is and what what you know casual Mavs fan, I guess you want to say, or Twitter Mavs fan is saying, well, let's just go out and, and trade KP for this, or let's trade KP for that, or let's bring in this guy or this guy. I mean, you've got to bring in the right fit, right? You can't just yeah. plug and play anybody and, and not everybody's going to play well with Luca. Luca's a ball dominant guy, right? It's, it's very much like playing with a James Harden. James Harden had to yeah. learn later, right? Even though, or excuse me, not even James Harden, James Harden goes to Brooklyn and Kyrie tells James Harden, Hey, you be the point guard, man. Like you're better at this, right? Like it came to a point in Kyrie's career where even he was like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna step back, even though I'm ball dominant. You take it." So, do the Mavs go, need to go after somebody like that who's just tired of of you know being in a position where they can't win and, and get somebody who's comfortable playing off ball to Luca? Is it blow up the entire roster and and get rid of everyone and start from scratch other than Luca? I mean. You know, let's dive into what do you think the Mavs? Because I know we've talked about this offline before, right? So after after Game Seven, we we kind of talked about what are the Mavs do with KP? Who are the free agents that they could sign? So tell me what what are your thoughts on you know when free agency opens up? What are the first moves that Dallas needs to make? You know, I, I think their biggest problem was Dallas likes to you know for I want to say the past seven eight years it's been building around the edges. What second rounders? And undrafted guys can we get that we can you know coach up so you know i'm thinking on our roster we've got maxi kleber dfs brunson um you know and, and i think we had those same goals with delon wright you know we had the same goal with i mean seth curry was honestly a reclamation project oh yeah and, absolutely you, you know we we bolstered i'm trying to think of guys it like 2013 2014 i mean Monte Ellis, um, mm-hmm. you know. Monte he, was good, though. Monte played really, really well for he us was. when he was here. He was. And he was the, I think the statistic was he was the first person to lead the team in scoring other than Dirk for like, in like 10, 11 years. Yeah, it was something but, ridiculous. But the problem is, you know, I remember hearing where it was like they were un- unwilling to part with DFS, they were unwilling to part with Maxi, and they were unwilling to part with Brunson. And the problem is, you know, are these guys, we, all, we always talk about floor raisers and ceiling raisers. And right now, like we need ceiling raisers and DFS is super cheap. 
and we love we love him um but we've got to part with him some way you know we we've got to find i honestly if we can swing big and find a bradley beal um you know if we can if if we can get an athletic big like a miles turner a jared allen um who i know miles is a local kid um Mm -hmm. jared's jared's from austin uh I think that's something that we saw in the series. You know, Boban is great, but you can't play Boban 25. You can't play Boban 25 minutes a night. Um, You can't force feed Boban. Boban's a liability, you know, on the, um, you know, Boban's a liability on the defensive end. So, you know, there's, there's that, Um, you know, obviously there are people like Kyle Lowry. There are people like, DeMar DeRozan, but, you know, are they, we would love, we would love two of those. Why? Because they can both create their, they can both create their own shot. Um, but are they going to come to Dallas? Like I could see Kyle Lowry going to Philly. Um, I could also see Kyle Lowry going to Toronto. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, there are great options. Mike Connolly is another one. Um, Dragic. Uh, you know, Danny Green, um, you know, the, these guys who, w- w- I mean, yeah, would have been great two years ago. But and the, I, I think I would love a DeRozan. I would love a Kyle Lowry. I love both of them at the same time. Um, but it would probably come at the cost of Tim Hardaway Jr. And I really like Tim Hardaway Jr. as a third or fourth option. So I hope I answered your question. Yeah. <laughs> No, and I and it's it's funny because I've gone through all these names in my head, and we've you know I've thrown around crazy trade scenarios too that I've pulled off in two K, like getting Carl Anthony Towns for Porzingis, which I think was really funny. But um, you know, realistically speaking, if we, just uh, some of the names you mentioned, right? And, and I'm I'm sitting here and I'm I'm going through, and, and my first thought is all the KP hate and the KP backlash. I get it, right? Like, I totally get the fact that he was basically non-existent in that Clipper series. But I also attribute a lot of that to coaching. And I attribute that to Carlisle wanting to just play a five-out system, which didn't make sense to me, right? It did not. It. I don't know why we didn't. You know, Carlisle's always been against posting players up. I mean, he's never, since Dirk left, he's always, you know, reneged on the on the low post game. He said that it's useless. Um you know, I, I don't know why when Reggie Jackson's guarding Porzingis, you don't just post them up on the low block or, yeah, or why, even at the high elbow. Shooting, why are you shooting jumpers? Like, yeah, why? and but you know, and and you take you you see what KP says on you know when he during his exit interviews and, and things like that. And there's reason for optimism, right? He comes out and he, and he says, okay, he understands the game is changing, and he understands he's being asked to do things that he's not used to. The one positive that I take. You know, obviously the attitude he had after that series, for all the hate that he's getting, I mean, the guy, he's not dumb, right? He knows everything that's getting. He heard all the news in New York, all the all the trash talk and all the hate he got when he was with the Knicks. I'm sure he hears it too, uh, or, or hears it here in Dallas as well, right? Is he, is he fully healthy though? Here's the thing, and that's my point, is I, I don't think he was fully healthy this year, right? And, and obviously, because there was 71 days from when the bubble ended to when the season started. Okay. He tore his meniscus. And by the way, he was amazing in the bubble, right? I mean, that guy, the guy yeah. went nuts against the Clippers last year. So you take that into account. He tears his meniscus, has surgery. 
we were expecting the season to start in January. It actually starts in December, right? So there's already less time. So then KP's got to rehab a little bit more. Did they rush him back? Obviously didn't play on, uh, you know, back-to-back, so it's hard to get your rhythm. And then you get shoved playing every game, you know, down the stretch. I think he played the last eight games and then also all the playoffs, right? So maybe his body was a little worn out. Maybe he was a little tired. The one thing I take solace in is this is the first offseason in two years that he's Chris Epps is going to have a full offseason to recover a, without having yeah. surgery, a full offseason to really, you know, kind of think about the season and think about his role going forward with the team. So do I trade him for pennies on the dollar? No, I think you keep him, you know, you utilize him. If you want to trade him, trade him at the trade deadline next year, right? Because right now I'm not taking back Kemba Walker for him. You know, we wanted Kemba two years ago. I'm glad we didn't get him because I think he's a terrible fit. He's a shell of what he is. Yeah. He's, he's injury prone too. Like what do you, I mean, you're trading one injury prone guy for another, right? And I'd rather have the 25 year old injured player who can come back from it versus the 30 year old. Right. I mean, just the way the the game works, Um, you know, who else are you going to get? I mean, people are saying let's trade KP and and, uh, Jalen Brunson for Brogdon and Turner. I don't think Indiana does that. First off. No. Second, I don't even know if I want miles Turner as much as I love the guy. He's a Texas guy like me. Um, You know, he's from the area, but his rebounding has been pretty poor. He's not a great defender down low post. I mean, his offensive game. Yes, is good, but it does that really move the needle bringing in Miles Turner for for Porzingis? I mean, what if my fear is that we trade Porzingis and he finds himself again and goes nuts? Yeah, right. Well, so, so and I'm looking here just on like different unrestricted free agents. I mean, you've got Sterl, you know, that are under the age of 30. I mean, you got Sterling Brown. You know, you've got Semi Ojaleyi. Uh, you know, you've got SMU. Yeah, I mean, two two SMU guys. You've got Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I mean, Rashawn Holmes, everybody likes. Which, but like, okay, do, the, do the Rashawn Holmes narrative, like, I get it. I get he's a good defender, and he rebounds, and he plays hard, but I'm not throwing four years, $80 million at him. Like, that's, that, it's a disaster. It, I, mean, we, I hope we don't, because that's a disaster. Yeah. I mean, let's see, you've got, yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie's got the player option. I mean, the problem is, like, are, like do any of these free under 30 free agents like it excites you at all i mean what lori lori markanen no uh, lori markanen is is another porzingis but a worse defender and probably a worse shooter to be honest let's see kelly Oubre. i mean none of these guys really really excite me um there, i mean yeah there's nobody that moves the needle right and that's that's the whole point when i look at what do the mavs need in the offseason right okay so is it a big man? Is it a rolling big man like we had with Tyson Chandler? Is it a secondary ball handler? Do you really want the the ball out of Luca's hands? Right. I go to what you said. I'm all for re-signing Tim Hardaway Jr. I think he takes a team friendly deal. He wants to be here. Carlisle's utilized him very very well. He gets along with Luca. Luca trusts him. I think I, I would keep Tim Hardaway unless some crazy trade offer comes and it, and yeah. you know we can use him in a sign and trade. Our best asset, and I love that you said this, is DF is Dorian Finney-Smith and Jalen Brunson. As much as I love Jalen Brunson, I think he's he should be a starting point guard in the NBA. Hundred percent. Those are our two best assets, right? I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith's contract is, is four million, four million dollars, yeah. and this guy has improved every year that he's been in the league, right? Yeah. There's a reason we drafted Josh Green last year, who defensively should be good. He needs to work on his jump shot. If he can put in the work in the off season, do the Mavs 
then feel comfortable training Dorian Finney-Smith. I mean, well, the wasn't, one wasn't Terrell Terry supposed to be Terrell Terry supposed to be Seth Curry, right? That's why they drafted him. He was a first round pick. He was on. I think I read something. He was on. He was like one of their top fourteen prospects, and he fell to the second round. So they took him, which by all accounts, great. I mean, yeah. I've, I've never watched film on him, but everything I've read, he's a phenomenal shooter. And if he can turn into somebody like, you know, like Seth Curry, that's great. So I don't think Kyle Lowry comes to Dallas. I think that's a pipe dream. And I don't know if I want to pay him three years, 40 million and pay him no. until he's 39. Right. I don't want to pay, I don't want to pay Dennis Schroeder, you know, God, no, four, four absolutely years, not. 25 million. The, I've heard DeMar DeRozan's name a lot. And, do you want to? He's 32 years old. Here's the thing, right? First off, it doesn't fit the timeline, right? And I know our timeline's shortened now because of the Supermax, right? But I, I don't I don't want to pay DeMar DeRozan, who a fantastic mid-range shooter. But, I mean, that really clogs up the lane for Luka if he's driving in. Luka loves to drive and kick, right? So you need outside. You need three-point shooters. Three and D guys are, are you know, exactly what this team needs. DeMar DeRozan can't shoot the three and, and honestly can't defend that well either. No. So I don't know why Mavericks fans want to throw three years, 80 million at him. I mean, that it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I think maybe you finish fifth again. Maybe you finish sixth. I mean, well, so I want to bring up something because you said, you know, you don't want the ball out of Luca's hands, but I think what we saw with the Clippers series is that Luca, you know, he'll start on fire in the first half. And then he will just go completely cold because he's tired in the second half. And like, True. we need, you know, a souped up Jalen Brunson and maybe one other ball, you know, ball dominant guard, because I don't, I don't want, you know, Luca having to control 90% of the possession. Like if we can get a fresh Luca in the fourth, like, can you imagine if he was, if he was actually not, I wouldn't say healthy, but not tired in game six or game seven. Oh, like we would have won. Yeah. We, we win that series. But who, who else do you trust dribbling the ball? And I agree. I, I agree with that, that. So maybe not a secondary ball, maybe like a secondary. I don't even know how to put it. Cause when I think secondary ball handler, I think somebody who, you know, it's like, you know, it's split 50, 50, who's got the ball in their hand. I think, I think we need a secondary shot creator, right? We need, I honestly would not mind Mike Conley if the injuries didn't scare me off. I think he's been injured way too much. I think especially in this series against against the Clippers, yeah. we haven't really seen him. I thought Conley was a great fit a few years ago before he re-signed with Utah, right? I mean, I, or before he signed with them. I really yeah. wanted Mike Conley on this team. He's only 32, 33. I think if you can give – if he's coming off injury, if you can get him for two years, you know, I, I say do that, but – you know, you mentioned an interesting name and it's been floated out there a lot. And it's the one guy that I, I know I've told you that I want more than anybody is Bradley Beal. And I, I just don't, here's the thing, right? Bradley Beal's in a very interesting situation because in his exit interview, he didn't commit to staying with Washington, right? They asked him point blank and he said, I, I haven't thought about it. Like, that's not something yeah. I can think about after they lost to Philly. Washington's going to offer him a max deal. Uh, come August when they're eligible. Um, Bradley's a free agent at the after this year. I don't think he takes the extension. I think he'd be ludicrous to do that. Um, but, you know, let's say if he doesn't take it and Washington decides, okay, we've got to blow this up. The only way that we get Bradley Beal is if Bradley Beal says, I want to go to Dallas. I'm not signing yeah. a contract with anybody you trade me to unless you send me to Dallas. And I don't think he's going to do that. I mean, 
Here's the thing. I think players want to play with Luka. I think you look at a guy like Doncic, you know that he's going to put you in a position to succeed, right? Players talk, right? You know, there's a pipe dream of Nikola Jokic in 2023, you know, but I think players talk. And and if I'm, okay, if I'm Dallas, let me pretend you're Washington's GM, okay? If, If Bradley Beal comes to you and says, Hey, Adam, I want to go to Dallas. That's the only team I'm going to re-sign with. Anybody else you trade me to is going to give up a lot of assets to get me, and I'm not staying there. In the offseason, I'm just going to sign with Dallas anyway, so it doesn't matter. If if Donnie Nelson or, or you know, Harlow Bob or, you know, Cuban, whoever is running the show, comes to you and says, we'll give you Dorian Finney-Smith, your pick of Tyrell Terry, Josh Green, Jalen Brunson, will take out the... For, the uh, top 10 protection on the Knicks pick that we owe. So that way we can throw in our 2022 first rounder, 2025, 2027, three first round picks, all unprotected. Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, and your pick of Terry and and Josh Green. Do you do that deal for for Bradley Beal? You know, it's it's an interesting deal. Um, if, If like gun to my head and Bradley Beal was like, I only want to go to Dallas... Uh, you know, I lose some leverage, mm-hmm. but I think I think it's a decent deal because um, I think the Wizards have some other interesting pieces. You know, uh, you know they're high on Danny Avdia, mm-hmm. you know, Rui Hachimura, uh, Thomas Bryant, a few others. But I, I think I would, but I feel like for Dallas, I feel like that's a lot to give up. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? And, what's, and this what's, is what's the cost of a superstar? I mean, you know, I I think you go you have to go back and you have to look at the James Harden deal, right? What did Brooklyn give up for James Harden? They gave up what? Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, what three first rounders and three pick swaps? But is that is that deal that you just proposed to me on the same magnitude though? No, like, not a, I mean every other team in the NBA probably could offer better than what we can. We, our assets are. I mean, unless somebody falls in love with Maxi Jalen Porter. Brunson or Maxi, I think Brunson is our best trade chip, to be honest. As much as I love the guy, the problem is because he was a second rounder, he's an unrestricted free agent after this year. He's not He's not going to have restricted status. And somebody's so, going to pay him too. Somebody is going to pay him. And when Luca signs that Supermax, we're not going to be able to afford him. Yeah. So it, it is. is it time to start looking at what value can you get for Jalen Brunson? I think somebody would overpay for Jalen Brunson. I mean, the guy, the guy's a fantastic player. I mean, he finished what fourth in the, in uh sixth man of the year voting. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to see like, are there any other like, rest- well, restricted free agents, obviously, you know, John Collins, yeah. I know is one who I don't think he does anything for this team. I mean, Jared Allen. I mean, I would throw money at Jared Allen, but I, I think Cleveland's got enough cap space to match. What and- about, what about Lonzo ball? I've gone back and forth on Lonzo for a while. Um, Lonzo or Gary Trent Jr.? I don't want Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent's also restricted. Uh, good yeah, I mean, shooter, not a great defender. So Toronto will match him. Toronto will match. Lonzo, I think New Orleans would be fine getting getting off of him. Um, I don't think he meshes well with Brandon Ingram and, and Zion. I just is, is I don't. He a ceiling, is he a ceiling raiser? No, see that's the thing. The way you put it, is he a ceiling raiser? No, he doesn't do anything to change the outlook of this team. I, I don't think that moves the needle for us. You're, we're not with even with Lonzo. Okay, we're not beating, 
We're not beating the Lakers when they're healthy. We're not beating the Clippers. We're not beating the Suns. We're not beating the Jazz. We're probably not beating the Nuggets. So, where are we, fifth again? You've got to uh, to assume... Are we we even beating the Blazers when they're completely healthy? I mean, Dame torches us every time he plays, right? If Nurkic and McCollum and Dame are all healthy, right? Who knows? I mean, do we even... Do we have a shot against, you know, some of the other... I mean, you know New Orleans is going to improve next year, right? Uh, I mean... You got Memphis. Memphis is a great team. Do we even beat Memphis? You know, Golden, maybe Golden State has Thompson back. Clay Thompson coming back. You know, what do they get if they flip? You know that you know their whatever their pick is and and Wiseman and Wiggins can they bring in a suit? I mean, they have a better package for Bradley Beal than we do. Yeah, well, and, and you know their time their timeline you know is even uh, is even more dire because you've got what maybe a couple more years of of Curry and Thompson. Mm-hmm. So. And if they don't, and Curry's Curry's also one of those guys that you know there's a lot of talk around the league about Curry, Dame, and Bradley Beal just on their contract status and, and the way things are shaping up if they don't start winning. I mean, Curry, I don't think, leaves Golden State. I, I think that's that's a kind of a legacy thing. Dame, I don't know. I don't. Again, these aren't guys I think are coming to the Mavericks by any means. It's just interesting to think about, you know, what would a trade package for Damian Lillard look like? And I think that just blows everything out of the water. Who, I was going to say, who who gets the bigger trade package, you know? Bradley Bill or, or I mean or Damian Lillard obviously yeah we can't we can't offer anybody but you know for us it's all about we need a superstar and then just like 2011 it's what other complementary players do we have yeah know? yeah I mean look here you just need one you, you need one player to say I want to go to Dallas right the, the the next and and the crappy thing is is that the Mavericks were were again like we we've done for the last ten years we're hoarding cap space for this year right and the hope was to go out and get Giannis and by all accounts there was a report that came out Zach Lowe um, I think on his podcast um, a couple of days ago said that there was a fear that Giannis was going to team up with Luca in Dallas and that was a real kind of kind of concern that he was actually going to come here until Milwaukee made the trade for Drew Holiday and he decided to stay. Um, that would have been amazing, but you know, we're, we're this free agency period is there's, there's nobody I think that moves the needle, right? So you have to look at what are your trade options, right? What, who can you get? And here's, here's the situation, Adam, that I think kind of benefits us is I don't want to go out and throw money at a John Collins or, or Alonzo Ball or DeMar DeRozan no. when let's keep, okay, keep, we we took the Clippers to game seven. Like the, this isn't like people are talking like we got swept right yeah we took the clippers to game seven we should have beat them we should have beat them last year right um if kp comes back healthy if we re-sign hardaway if they both play well that improves our chances at a trade for a lot of people as the trade deadline nears next year right before lucas signs a supermax we can still get off kp's contract we can then get off tim hardaway's contract so it's not like we can't wiggle our way and, and try to make some more room as next year's for agency and 2023's approaches. But so how much, but I think it, it's, it's still, when you talk about organizational building, so it's part the players, but it's also part the GM, the owner, you know, the, the GM, the owner and the coach. So, right. you know, how much, I mean, if, if you think about it, like the bulls, you have a generational superstar and Michael Jordan. Uh, I mean, let, let's go back to what is it? 19, is it like 87 when they made the deal? They made a hugely unpopular deal for Jordan is they traded Oakley for 
it wasn't it like Oakley and like Olden Polonies or something for Pippin. And mm-hmm. they fired Doug Collins. Um, well, and that and that Phil. deal was that was Jordan losing right what twice in the first round, and then yeah. Jerry Krause saying, "Okay, I got to do something, otherwise this guy's going to leave." Yeah, and you know you surround your he surrounded him with good veterans. You had Pippin obviously grow into his own role, um, and then you know once again in ninety five, you know ninety five, Jordan obviously needed someone, and you bring Rodman, an unpopular aging player. But you know, kind of the key to 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 their runs, and so Donnie, Donnie, and Mark and Rick have to figure out. Well, I think Mark especially is what uncomfortable move do you have to make to? Because I think the KP move was like it was like a, a sexy move. It was like something I loved it at the time. I mean, yeah. I I still I still think it, and I'm I'm an optimist because I love. Porzingis when he was in New York too. I think it works out. I think whether it's a trade at the trade deadline next year or whether he turns into unicorn 2.0, as he put it, I think somehow that deal works out for us. But, but it's still, it's, I think we're at a crossroads where you have to make an uncomfortable move. I mean, look, let's, let's talk about what was it? Oh, seven when you traded. So we had gone to the finals. Then Mm -hmm. we went to the, we lost the first round. And you traded Josh Howard, uh, peak value. He had been an all-star in 07. And, you know, first you make that trade. You sold him high, and you got Karan Butler and Brendan Haywood. Um, And then you sold high on Devin Harris, another, like, young player you you didn't want to depart with. And you trade for, what, a 35-year-old Jason Kidd? Mm-hmm. you know, but those moves were like, yeah, we're we're giving away young talent, but we bol- you know, they bolstered the team in the long run. So, what kind of uncomfortable moves are you going to make? So, yeah, and and to that point, is it a is it a front office move? Is this a time where Cuban needs to really sit down and look at a guy like Rick Carlisle who has clashed with players in the past, right? Rondo not counted, obviously, but you know, there's been times where Luca's blown up at him on the sideline, um, you know, yelling at him for taking a timeout or, or a play that he was running. Um, Carlo hasn't won a playoff game in 10 years, right? We talk about the team, but Carlo has been the coach. It's not like we've shuffled through, you know, two, three different coaches in that time frame, and it's just been, you know, an abject failure on their part. Um, yeah. You know, I think cool. there's a lot of blame to go around with, with Donnie Nelson uh, and Rick Carlo both. So is this a time where Cuban needs to just say, you know what, I'm going to bring in a Masai Ujiri to run the team and let Carlisle keep coaching, or do you or, run it back with the same group? I was going to, because I was going to say, uh, you know, do you promote Carlisle to like president of basketball operations or something? But yeah, I mean, obviously, do, like, do we think Masai w- is actually available or do you think he's just going to get, because if he's available, I would take him. Oh, in a heartbeat. I mean, the universal respect I think he gets from players too is, I mean, he could be just incredible for the Mavs. But like, you know, you okay? Say you fire, say you move on from Carlisle. Who is out there that is a once again is a ceiling raiser? Right. So you're talking who can come in and and really lead 
I, so first of all, I think any coach would want to coach Luca, right? I, I think you, I mean, you're not getting a Popovich, right? You're not going to get, no. you know, you're not getting anybody of that stature. You're not going to get Doc Rivers. Um, but like, is it's it a, a good, is it, is I would have said Steven Silas. I mean, I would have loved Silas to take over for Carlisle. I think Silas was head coach in waiting. I mean, but is Jamal Mosley the right person to promote? You know, is it? Right, Chauncey Billups. Is it? I would love Chauncey. I mean, but again, Chauncey Billups has never coached before, right? So we don't right. we don't really know what that looks like. Well, I mean, look. Remember, we had we had a coach who never coached before, and he took us. You know, he took a Donnie led team or That's a Don true. Nelson led team to the NBA Finals. Avery now, Johnson. Now that that was our obviously he was Don Nelson's handpicked successor, but. You know, then we made an uncomfortable coaching change with a coach that had a 75% win percentage mm-hmm. and replaced him with Carlisle. So, what do you like? What kind of a coach is ideal for Luca? Is it a European coach? No, because I think then you're catering to. I mean, is there. Oh, well, well, let me ask you this. Is there something. Is there. Is there truth to catering too much to him? I mean, yes, he's a generation, generational superstar. He is, you know, everything. I mean, Luke, uh, not Luca. Kobe wanted Phil, right? Kobe wanted Phil to, to Kobe wanted Shaq on. Lakers got rid of Shaq, right? It, it, are the Mavericks in that position where it's Luca says and we do it? I mean, Cubans come out and blatantly said that I'll do whatever Luca wants. He's come out and said I'll divorce my wife before I let Luca leave, right? Are, is is there? Do you think that that's the end all be all? Is is you let Luca kind of pull what LeBron has pulled in terms of? Here's the coach I want. Here's the players I want. Go make it happen or I'm gone. I mean, look at what he did in Cleveland. Uh, you know, they hired Blatt, who Blatt is the most, one of the most decorated European coaches of all time. And they fired him with Ty Lue, who had never coached before. But, I mean, he's LeBron's hand-picked guy. Mm-hmm. And they won a title. So, And I don't think know. that happens anytime soon because I think Luke is 20, he's 22, right? This was LeBron when he what returned to Cleveland, right? This was sure. you know, after the Miami days. And, you know, I, I think the most important thing to, to keep in mind is we've got six years of Luca, right? Thankfully five, six years, you know, whether he, he accepts his player option or not. The question that surrounds everything is what can the Mavericks do to build a team around him? Because, and, and rightfully so he's got all the leverage. Like you said, he can leave if he wants to hell, he can demand a trade after three years. If we don't put anything together and we keep getting bounced, in the first, second round, I would not be surprised in three years if Lucas says, you know what, trade me. Like, I, I want out. I can't I can't handle this anymore. Yeah, I mean, and then you've got a 25-year-old, you know, super max player, and I could only imagine the amount of bounty you could get. I mean, not only that, but, like, he is a point guard in the vein of CP3 and LeBron. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, he's the face of the NBA. He is... He yeah. is a year away, I think. I think he's on his way there. I don't. I don't know if he's the face yet, but I think by mid-season next year, I think he's the face of the NBA. Yeah, I mean, or at least top five. I, I think LeBron is still. I think LeBron is still like that person. But yeah, I mean, he is. Luca's in that stratosphere. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's. I, I think that's the thing. We can't really solve anything now. I think right now it's a lot of he said, she said. You know, the Haralabob story. Um, I'm sure we're going to get something else coming out about Luca in some way or KP. And, you know, it's, I think the Mavs, what they've done the past five, six years is it's, 
what sort of secondary people, you know, we keep missing on free agents. So what sort of secondary people can we get, can we get? And it's time to cash in and it's now not time to, you know, bolster. It's now not the time to get another seven, eight, nine. It's the time to package seven, eight, nine, and three to get one mm-hmm. A or one B. So, yeah. And look, you can, if, if we go down the route of trading a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith trading a guy like Jalen Brunson. It's not, I don't want to say it's easy, but finding a backup point guard on a cheap one year, two year deal is not difficult in the NBA, right? If you look around, if you look around the league, there's a lot of veterans who are going to get cut. You know, there's this, the COVID cap structure, you know, kind of a lot of teams took a hit. Um, Even as the cap increases, there's a lot of restricted free agents that teams are going to have to resign. So there's going to be some veterans out there on the market that, Mavericks could bring in if we do end up trading a guy like Jalen Brunson or Dorian Finney-Smith that can come in and replace them, maybe not at the same production level. But if you've got a guy like Bradley Beal, um, you know, or whoever else that that comes in in that role, you know, that tertiary superstar or secondary superstar, if you want to say KP is your third guy, you know, is, is making up for that production that you're missing. But then then it comes to the point, too. Do we need another superstar? Do we just need to upgrade or do we just need to upgrade what we currently have? What can I get or how, what can I offer Phoenix to get Michael Bridges? Because I've told you this time and time again, Michael Bridges is yeah. my ideal fit. That's the guy that I think, forget the pedigree of, of you know, being a Villanova guy, being a Jay Wright guy. We've seen what Brunson can do in the league. Michael Bridges is a phenomenal defender. He's improved as a three-point shooter. He can handle the ball. He's 6'6", plays a wing position. I mean, that guy would be phenomenal on this team. How much How much does it cost? Is it a three-team deal that, that you have to do? I mean, does Phoenix have enough caps? He's a restricted free agent next year. He's well, on a cheap deal, $6 million right well, now. You know, you know, CP3 is probably going to get like a long-term three-year, $40 million deal. If they re-sign CP3 and then they've got to max out DeAndre Ayton, do they have enough cap space with Booker already on the max to keep Bridges? I mean, that's why that's why you sell high. But what what? how much does Bridges cost us, though? Man, I... Probably the same package we'd give up for Beal. I don't, I don't think Phoenix moves him, especially now that they're in the conference finals. I think... They do everything to keep that team together for as long as they can. Yeah, and that and that's what I'm saying is like, how many players too, you know, how many vets would accept a smaller deal to play for a player coach, a player first coach like Monty Williams? Like, how much is is the Absolutely. allure of playing for, you know, like, you know, how much it's like the allure of playing for Pop or Phil? Like, is Monty Williams going to grow into that type? I mean you know, is the opportunity to get mentored by CP3, like, you know, is, is that an allure enough? I mean, and you've got a superstar like Devin Booker. So, you know, is Phoenix like the next hot place? And I think winning kind of cures a lot of that, right? I mean, Phoenix was not a free agent destination. You know, CP3 got traded there. It's not like he decided, Hey, I want to go to Phoenix. Right. But, but we could still see it coming. I mean, they were eight. No in the bubble. Oh yeah, no, they were. I mean, they were a great team in the bubble. That you, Phoenix James Jones did one of the best jobs I've seen in terms of building. I mean, they drafted Booker. Booker was the last Kentucky guy to go in that draft a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was what was it? it was Carl Anthony Towns? It was. Yeah, wasn't it like that's that team that went like almost undefeated or whatever? Yeah. And, and they had like five first round picks. Booker was, was like, the last was guy. Willie Colley Stein. Yeah, late lottery pick. 
Right. Then they go and get DeAndre Ayton, who people said shouldn't have done that, should have drafted, you know, Luca or, or whoever else, right? Um, you know, they draft Mikael Bridges, who was their second first round pick that year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. That was also well, the twenty eighteen well, draft. They also stole Mikael Bridges because like he, I think wasn't Bridges was like a Philly native and he was super excited. And his mom imagine? works for the Sixers. Yeah, can you imagine if like Bridges was like Bridges was on the Sixers and you have a defense of like Bridges, God. Simmons, Embiid, like I think that makes it easier for them to trade Simmons, to be honest, for James Harden, if that was the sticking point. God. But, and then you have Harden and oh my god, Harden and Curry and Embiid like but, the offenses. I mean, Phoenix did a fantastic job of, of building that roster, right? I mean that that all came through the draft and, and the Mavs you know, inefficiency in the draft is well documented besides Luca and Brunson. I think in the last 10 years, we haven't drafted anybody of, of relevance at all. Um, I mean, look, let's go back 15 years, you know, the, cause what Howard was Oh three. Mm-hmm. You had Marquise Daniels was Oh five. Harris was Oh four, right? Yeah. Harris was Oh four. He was a lottery pick fifth overall. I believe like other than Luca, I would say, and I mean, I guess DSJ, but I would say the most impactful draft pick we've had is Jay Crowder. Who didn't play for this team for that long. Got traded yeah. to Boston for Rajon Rondo, and that worked out pretty well for us. Um, I, I think we call it the Dwight Powell trade. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no, I mean, look, here's the thing, right? You're right in that players are going to want to go to, you know, I, I could see players saying, okay, I want to go to Phoenix because it's a winning team now. But I think you also look at, you also have to look at, what Luca did against the Clippers and I, the hope is that there's players out there that say, okay, I, I, I can help that team. I want to play with that guy, right? That's ultimately that's the goal, right? Is that, you know, he keeps putting on a show. If Porzingis looks better next year, the hope is, is that somebody, whether it's Bradley Beal, whether it's a guy like Zach Levine, whether whoever it is, right? Whoever the Mavericks want the hope is, is that somebody goes to their front office and says, hey, that's where I want to be. That Trade me there. Otherwise, just like Harden did, right? Harden said, trade me to Brooklyn. I'm not I'm not going to go anywhere else. And it's he doesn't have the contract, you know, leverage that a guy like Bradley Beal does either. So no. it's going to be it's going to be really, really interesting. I just I, I'm hoping and I'm praying that the Mavericks don't blow this, you know, this this free agency period and, and throw $80 million at DeMar DeRozan and, and be locked into this guy for, for the next three, four years. I mean, I think that's the thing is now is not the time to get desperate. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You have, you have a generational superstar. And if you have five years of him, I think it's, it's not just this year, but it's next year. Like maybe if you can add a complimentary piece or two now and then maybe go all in next year. Um, Cause yeah. What if, do you think we'd be having this conversation if we had played Denver and we won in the first round? No, I, I also don't think we'd be having this conversation if we won against the Clippers. I think it'd be like, okay, great, good job. Like, let's resign Tim Hardaway. Let's run it back. Let's get like one or two more guys because that's what's going to put us over. That's it. The fact that we lost Game Seven, the way that we lost Game Seven, I think that's what's causing all this panic. But see, I think, I think honestly, it was as I mean, we're both longtime Mavs fans, but honestly. I, in hindsight, I, I think it's great that we lost game seven because if we would have won it back, run it back with the same guys, you know, there's still the deficiencies that like, I feel like Donnie and Rick, they all would have rested on their laurels and, you know, it wouldn't have gotten us to seriously consider, do we need to upgrade this team? Yeah, that's true. And, and we've been stuck in that for, 
for quite a long time, right? I mean, we, we've kind of gone after, you know, we've tried to go after the big fish. We've, you know, we've gotten stuck with secondary pieces and, and, you know, you're absolutely right that it could have happened. And I don't doubt that that would have happened had we, had we won game seven. I mean, you may, you bring up a very, very good point there. Yeah. And I, I think it's, I think it's good that now everybody's under the microscope because yeah, like, listen, Donnie discovered Dirk, Luca, Giannis and Nash and, and traded for Nash. But you know, it's you, you and I can say, Oh, we found somebody, but if we don't do anything with them, that's, you know, that's going to be a detriment to us. And you know, it's, it's now time. It's great. You found Luca. But you don't get, you mean, just because you get four years and two or three first round playoff losses doesn't mean you do anything with them. So, yeah. And if if this team doesn't put pieces around Luca and it gets to a point in a few years where he's demanding a trade or even at the end of his contract, if he opts out and goes somewhere else like a Miami or or an LA, the city's going to riot. Like, we've waited too long to have somebody else like this. Right, and even with Dirk, we only got one one title, even though we should have had two. Uh, you know, Donnie and and Mark and Rick have to put their heads together, and even Harlebob, if he's a if he's a part of this, they've got to put the, put their differences aside and, and just build build a damn team that's gonna that that's gonna please Luca. I mean, that, that at the end of the day, that's it. Let me ask you this: Have you know we're we're both long, long time Dallas sports fans, and have a pretty good like history of of Dallas sports. Is I don't think I've ever seen a superstar of like Luca's magnitude. I mean, yeah, sure, you have Aikman, Emmett, Irvin, and like you had A Rod for three years, but someone who could like just change the trajectory of a league quite like Luca, I don't think we've ever seen that in Dallas. I don't think we've seen it in Dallas, but I don't think it was expected unless you really like understood like the NBA draft, right? Like I think coming into the draft, I mean, you and I talked about it. I remember because I saw a film of Luca a couple of years before that. And then he was featured on sports center and, and things like that. If you, if you watched and paid attention, you knew who Luca Doncic was and coming into that draft, it was kind of like, okay, this is the guy that, that, you know, I liked him. I wanted him. Uh, DeAndre Ayton was the other guy that I was like, okay, this, this guy's going to be a really, really good player in the league for a long time. Um, I don't think Mavs fans expected him to be this good this quickly, right? I think there was an expected learning curve of, okay, maybe when he's 24, 25, you know, we'll start seeing flashes. The kid's 22. He's played in the league for three years. I mean, he's... And he averaged 35 points a game in the playoffs. Absolutely. Against the best defensive team in, in basketball. I mean, it's not it's not a joke, right? Like this guy is is a superstar level talent, a once in a generation type player. You know, we were spoiled with Dirk. Um, we ne- we didn't take advantage of of you know the prime years of Dirk's career, letting Nash go. We all know the mistake that was. But this is a situation where, you know, like I said, everybody in the front office has to get together, put their differences aside, and build this team to keep Luca here for the rest of his career. Yeah. I mean that 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 is the that is the goal. You have to, and if it means unpopular moves, then you've got to make unpopular moves. Yeah. Um, you know, Cuban's done it before. You fire Avery Johnson. You bring in Carlisle. You know, letting Nash go. I, I think you, you said it, you said it was unpopular, and 
sure. Did, did it cost us, you know, Don Nelson? Yes. But, you know, I, I was talking about this with somebody. The one thing Nash couldn't do was guard bigger guards. And we brought in kid who could do that. Like, could Nash have matched up in that 2011 heat series? Probably not. So. Yeah. You know, fair point. It, yeah. And so we've got to start making these unpop unpopular, you know, I wouldn't say risky, but like the moves that a a contender makes or else we're going to look like the Indiana Pacers who go to the first round every year, they exit in five, six or seven games and then they leave. So that, that's, that, that's what, that's what we got to do. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing. I, I know this is a Metroplex mania. This is a, this is a, Dallas podcast. It's the same thing, you know. The the stars are with right now. You've got a superstar and Miro Hiskinen. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, and it's the same thing. You know, the Rangers had to deal with a couple of years ago, and it's the same thing we deal with with the Cowboys. It's you know, if you have somebody who is going to lead you to a title, you have to do things that are unpopular. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's it's going to be an interesting off season. It's going to be a very pivotal off season for the Mavericks. Uh, we'll see if there's anything drop if anything else drops regarding this this Harlebub story. If anything else drops regarding Donnie Nelson or Rick Carlisle, uh, but yeah, we'll uh, you know it, it'll be fun. Adam, uh, thanks for joining, buddy. You know we've known each other for a very very long time. I'm, I'm glad I was able to get you on the show today. Uh, look forward to having you on again. Hopefully yeah. real soon when the Mavericks start. You know once free agency opens up. You know Cowboys. You know I know. Training camp's starting relatively soon. You know, we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely get you on to, to talk some more Dallas sports. You, you know, I, I always love talking Dallas sports. I mean, you, you know, I, I think the one sports team in Dallas with the best future happens to be our other basketball team. That's true. Check so, them out. Dallas Wings. Um, the Dallas Wings. You know, they've got, I mean, two or three of, like, the best players in, in the WNBA. So... I am uh, I am always down to talk about some good Dallas sports. Fantastic, man. Well, check uh, check Adam out on Twitter. He's at Adam Rosenfield, a childhood friend of mine. He's always got some very interesting and, and funny sports takes and tweets, and you can see our banter back and forth as well. Once again, I'm your host, Sean Avaz Makani. Thank you again for listening to Metroplex Mania. Be sure to subscribe via Apple and or a Spotify podcast. And until next time, thank you very much.